Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Well, today we're doing things a little differently, and I'm recording this after the episode here with Christian Montalvo. Now, you may have realized that recently I have not been doing the Friday Fundamentals, and that's been a bit intentional, just working on scaling back there. What I'm going to do in the future is start kind of implementing a fundamental into the podcast like this with every one of our guest episodes. So if you absolutely just do not like that idea, reach out and let me know and I might see about bringing them back. But for now, we're going to test this cadence, if you will. So this week's fundamental is something that I've been thinking of for a while and fresh off just attending the very first in person networking event that I just got back from. That is the multifamily investor network event here in Houston that I attend every year. That was a really awesome event. It's great to kind of get back out into the real world and see people's faces and, you know, do that in-person thing. So this fundamental is something that I've noticed. We as real estate investors ask each other very frequently, and it's the equivalent question as when you find yourself in a social setting and you ask someone or you are asked, so what do you do? We all get that question, right? And for me, it's one that's difficult to answer. It's kind of dependent on who asks the question and what scenario I'm in. Maybe I say I'm an engineer. Maybe I say I'm a real estate investor. And truth be told, I'm both of those things, but I'm more than just those things, right? And you are so many things as well. So the what do you do question is kind of like the how many rental properties do you own in real estate speak, right? You ask that question to many of your real estate investor friends and you get that question asked to you. At the real estate conference I was just at, that's a question that kind of is opened up when in conversation. So that kind of leads to a unique metric though. I mean, sure, it's fine to share that information and ask people that information, but it's not really a leading indicator of what someone is actually doing, right? Say you own 100 doors, but they're each negatively cash flowing $100 a month. Well, that's not so great, in my opinion. But maybe you only own five doors and they're cash flowing $1,000 per month per door. Well, that's pretty impactful in my world. So just keep that in mind. That leads us to today's topic with our returning guest, Christian Montalvo. That is dollars over doors. Now, Christian's a good friend of mine. I've known her for going on probably 10 years now. She is actually a return guest. She was first on the podcast in episode 141. So it's a great conversation. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. Thanks so much for tuning in. This week, I'm really excited to introduce to you Christian Montalvo, my good friend. This is actually her second time on the podcast. 
Christian is a mom, wife, works in food safety. She's a real estate investor, house hacker extraordinaire, and so much more. Christian, hey, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Jacob. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've last had you on episode 141. Heck, I don't even know when that was, but a lot has changed. So I knew I had to get you back on the podcast. Now, we've got a lot of new listeners to the show, Christian. So maybe some people out there have not listened to that episode. But just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, your background, where you come from, all that good stuff. Sure. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. I work in food safety. And about five years ago, my husband and I, we house hacked our first property. It was a duplex. I got first got into it by uh, listening into a real estate podcast by a really good friend who recommended them to me named Jacob Ayers. <laughs> and yeah, basically my husband, we really didn't have a lot of experience before, but we knew that we wanted to try the house hack. We bought a duplex. We lived in it for about 18, a little over 18 months. And then we just kept moving up. We moved into a fourplex, house hacked that one. And then now we currently live in a single family home with mother-in-law suite in the back that we rent out. Yeah. Uh, in that time frame, because we were doing all the house hacking, it allowed us to acquire another duplex. We have since uh, sold some properties. A lot has changed since you know that first podcast with you. But yeah, we're just kind of doing the house hack thing and just learning a lot along the way. The last time you were on the podcast, I think you were living in the fourplex still. You'd yet to acquire that single family home. So kind of catch us up from the fourplex days when you were living there with your husband. And was it just one son at the time or did you have yes. both? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, definitely since the last podcast, I've one big life change was I had another little boy. Um, yeah. He's a little over 18 months now. But yeah, at the time, my husband and I, we were crammed into a 600, maybe generous 600 square foot unit in our fourplex with our one year old son. It was a lot. It was a very, very good learning experience of a property. The property had lots of uh, plumbing issues, different things. It was kind of a nightmare to some people. It was uh, great for me. I loved learning everything. I probably fixed more bathroom faucets and showers and all those kinds of things more than I ever really want to. But yeah, we were in that one. And basically, I got pregnant with my second son. And we were like, okay, it's time to find another house hack. We cannot fit into this property anymore. Uh, we were patient though. We were just kind of keeping our eye on the prize and just looking for the right property. And less than 15 minutes away from the one we were currently lived in popped up a single family home with the mother-in-law suite. My husband was ready to get into a single family home, but I was not ready to give up the house hack yet. So this one had kitchen, bathroom, everything built into the little mother-in-law suite. And I was like, this is our place. This is what we're moving into. That's awesome. Yeah. Good like happy medium there between single family and a multifamily property. For sure, for sure. We definitely met halfway and we both love it. We're very happy here, you know, for right yeah. now. It really fits our needs. I remember one time catching up with you. I'm like, hey, what's new? And you're like, oh, yeah, I just closed on a single family with a mother in law suite. I'm like, what? Really? When did this happen? And you're like, oh, yeah, we just, you know, made the, found it, made the offer really quickly. Like by this time, it was just like such a repeated process, something you'd known. So like you were able to get in this deal, you know, without having to like kind of reinvent the wheel, right? Yes, definitely in the DFW marketplace, things go so fast. So what I learned from our very first deal is there's no like, go see a property, wait on it a couple days, give a call. It is like, you go see the property, you make an offer. Sometimes you make an offer before you can even see the property. 
we just kind of look on Zillow or wherever, you know, the MLS and see what the pictures show and if it's rented and compare comps in the area and make an offer. So yeah, this house was, I got an alert that it popped up, you know, same day, went to go see it and made offer and we were in it pretty quickly. So yeah, it kind of going through the cycle of, you know, doing, you know, at the time, I think that was our fourth deal. You know, we felt very strong in what we were looking for and just doing the dang thing, basically. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Now, you said you started investing about five years ago in the DFW area, Dallas-Fort Worth, buying smaller multifamilies, right? And anybody familiar with that market knows that that market's appreciated like crazy over the past several years. So you guys kind of got in at a really good time, started buying these small multis. But as a crux to that, you know, it's kind of prevented you from buying anymore, right? It's been more and more difficult to buy. And that's a sentiment across many markets and many investors out there. So Talk about, you know, kind of what you're doing now and what you're seeing in the market there. Yeah, for sure. Well, since we first last talked, the fourplex that I was living in to start with, we actually unloaded. So that one was kind of, I remember listening to like your podcast and I know it was a bigger pockets podcast where Brandon Turner was talking about getting rid of your kind of dead horse property. Yeah, yeah. That property to some would not have been a dead horse. It was producing an income of about $600 a month. After all bills were paid, which is like right at one fifty per door, right? So that's pretty good. Yes. yes, but then when we looked at it and we saw how much time we were spending at this place, I mean, it was every other day. It seemed like something was coming up, and at only making one hundred and fifty dollars per door with a new baby on the way, we just decided it was going to be just a little too much for us, and we were kind of ready to let it go. So we moved in. We got rid of that one. We sold it. We made a small profit, which was good considering we only held on to it for a little over a year, but it wasn't anything substantial. But the biggest thing, a lesson from that one was that property was holding us back from being able to get our mother-in-law suite and our single family home ready. And we just, we couldn't even focus. We couldn't even get it together to do the minor little updates that needed because we were so busy. Again, at $600 a month. When we finally dropped that property and we focused on our mother-in-law street suite, started making almost a thousand dollars a month off of this little 400 square foot apartment that's in our backyard. The location is very good. We're very close to the airport, Dallas Cowboys Stadium, Texas Rangers. So it's a prime area. And it was crazy because we were so obsessed with holding on to those doors. The number of doors was such a big deal for me when I first started investing in this. And again, I say it like I'm like so seasoned. I mean, I've only been doing it for five years. But I remember it was just like, I got to get doors. I got to yeah, get doors. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had a door in our backyard. That was <laughs> a lot less work that we were just completely ignoring. So definitely, you know, when you're investing in real estate, you look at a lot of spending your, you know, time for dollars or dollars for time. And this was a really good lesson in that. Yeah, this is a concept you and I have been talking about lately. And that's doors versus dollars, right? And when we were first starting out in real estate, it's like, okay, I'm going to buy a duplex. I'm going to buy a fourplex. I'm going to buy a 10 unit. And you're kind of chasing that doors metric, right? But you're not necessarily always looking at the dollars metric. And you see this across many people doing this. Like I own 10,000 doors or 20 doors or two doors or whatever it is. People are always measuring things in doors. But what you don't kind of measure is what are the dollars? What's the cash flow behind that? And like our good friend, Keith Weinhold on Get Rich Education says, you're more importantly than your return on investment is your return on time invested, right? So you started to kind of, you know, measure that and realized, hey, I've got this one door in my backyard that if I just put some attention to, will cash flow a thousand dollars. And I'm over here spending all of my time on these four doors that are cash flowing six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. 
combined. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. And again, it wasn't a bad deal, but it just was that time, you know, per door, dollars per door thing. And yeah, so I was really glad that was a really good learning curve for us. So then moving forward, when we were looking at other deals, we just always kind of keep that in mind. Again, when I started, it was very quantity. My goals were, I have to have this many doors by this many years. And now it's just more like, I kind of see it as like, what a uh, piece of my income would I like to replace next? Okay, well, first we wanted to cover our living expense. Then I have two little boys. It was, okay, how can I cover daycare expense? You know, again, while having an asset that's paying for itself. And so that's kind of how we think of it now rather than just quantity, quantity, quantity. Yeah, so. no, that's awesome. And, you know, you started a family, you've got two young boys, you're working a W-2 day job. Well, we should say night job, right? You work night shifts primarily. Mm-hmm. But at this point, you're really kind of having to focus on what's your highest and best use of time. You only got so much extra time to devote towards this real estate thing right now, right? Amongst juggling the many other things you do. So you really have to, you know, be productive and use that highest or find that highest and best use of your time. Maybe it's just the little bitty mother-in-law suite in the backyard that cash flows a cool $1,000. Yes, uh, agreed. I mean, I work third shift in my job. And so, you know, when we had the fourplex, it was go home sleep for an hour or so and then get a call of something broken, something not working. And I'm fixing it myself, trying to save money. And I mean, it's just definitely quality of life. Again, the lessons we learned from that property, awesome. But the biggest lesson we learned was, you know, just make sure we have quality versus quantity when it comes even to investing. Yeah, sure. Well, I know you've got a pretty exciting update with the very first deal you ever did. And I want to first touch on something. I think it's really cool when you hear like this concept, let's say you're listening to a podcast like this or others, and you hear this concept about real estate investing, or maybe more specifically like a burr, right? And you go out and you do it and you're like, okay, that step worked. That was pretty cool. And you take it to a next step. You're like, okay, that worked too. This is pretty cool. All these things I've learned are actually coming true. You actually did that with your very first full cycle burr in that duplex. So tell us about that deal. And then maybe share some numbers if you want. Yes, definitely. So our very first duplex, our goal was to house hack it. We got it with an FHA loan, putting 3.5% down. The property was, I think the purchase price was 200000 So I remember with closing costs, everything, it was like $11,000 down. My husband yeah. and I saved up everything, you know, put it all down to get into this one place. Not a technique I recommend for everyone, but for us, we just went for it and it worked out. We lived in it for a year. And then our goal was to refinance out of it and get out of the FHA into conventional and then be able to get the FHA on the next property, which is what we did with the fourplex. Yeah, right. For us, after uh, one year of living in the property, the property that we bought for $200,000 refinanced at a price for two hundred and forty-five. Okay. It was great. We were able to turn around, refinance that. We didn't do like a cash out refinance or anything like that. Just regular refinance into conventional and then get into our next property. The cash flow from that property continued to serve us well. It helped us get into more doors. And then here we were five years later visiting the property. I'm looking around. I'm seeing, you know, there's some new roofs on the property. Things seem to be moving in this area. So I called my realtor and I said, Hey, how much do you think this uh, duplex is worth? And he said, I think it's gone up in value quite a bit. And my husband and I talked about it and we said, you know what? Let's put it on the market. And we had offers on it less than 10 days and we ended up closing on it and selling it for 350. So we held on to property for just under five years. It went up great in value, obviously. 
And after we sold it, we got a nice big check for $145,000. So that was really awesome. For a first deal, you always hear some people, oh, your first deal is going to be the worst. First deal is going to be the worst. If that's our worst deal, then I'll take it all day long. (laughs) Really great. But yes, it also is a big indicator of how much things have changed in DFW just in the last five years. Again, there's still deals to be found out here. You have to get creative. You need to keep your eyes open. But yeah, just it was an amazing, just big burr. And we didn't do a lot of rehab to it. So we bought it. We rehabbed it, put some new floors in it, you know, and then we rented it out, rented out both sides. We had some really interesting tenants at times. I had some guys that were living in there that put up a stripper pole and I had a... That's called an amenity. Yeah, amenity. (laughs) The stripper pole amenity. And we had learned about squatters rights from that rental. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, There is a little bit about that, but really at the end of the day, it wasn't like this total horror story. It was a, again, a great learning opportunity and it really paid out for us. That's fantastic. So, I mean, like at the end of this deal, you walk away with a check for $145,000 from the sale of your duplex. I mean, you have to be like thinking like to yourself, like you're feeling really good. Like this journey you went on, this real estate investing journey, not only did it turn out pretty well, it turned out pretty darn good. And here you are, you've got some cash to go out and do this thing again and again, right? Yeah, that's the goal is definitely we're just looking to do it again and again, see what we can do with that to better invest that money. Now, one thing I think you and your husband have done well is you've been pretty opportunistic and also patient at the same time. Like, you know, you guys realized you wanted to go out and start this, you know, small multifamily investing thing and DFW. So you did that. You did that a few times. The market's appreciating quite a bit. It starts making it harder and harder for this model to work. At the same time, your family's growing and your priorities are changing, right? So you kind of switch to the single family with the mother-in-law suite. And then you're just being patient. You know, you're buying a duplex, a duplex, a fourplex, a single family home. And you guys are just like taking a nice, consistent, steady approach while both working your day jobs and, you know, raising a family and doing all the normal things people do in life. So I think that's really cool that you guys have done that that way. Yeah, we're definitely kind of the slow and steady, you know, when our personal race, uh, we hope, you know, that's what it is about us. We definitely jumping into the fourplex again was a big lesson. We kind of jumped into that quick because it was quantity doors, learned a little bit of a lesson from that one. And so we just kind of like decided to take it slow. And it's amazing that if you're talking to people about real estate, what you want to do, you're making the right connections and you still keep your eye looking. There again, even in the DFW marketplace, there are deals that will come your way. Our other duplex that we got, I remember my mom, it's down the street from where my mom works. And a coworker called her and was like, Hey, did you see they're renovating that duplex by the water tower? Doesn't your daughter like duplexes? <laughs> like that's <laughs> and my mom was like, um, let me call her. And I just showed up at the duplex and knocked on the door and said, Hi. I, you know, used to live in the area, which I did, grew up in the area. And I just asked him, hey, what are you doing to this duplex? And he said, well, I'm fixing it up, getting ready to sell it. And I was like, great. How much do you want to sell it for? And I remember the place wasn't even finished. And I just asked him what he wanted. The number that came off his lips was more than willing what I was ready to pay for it. And I said, okay, great. Well, here's your first offer, you know. And I said, "Let please don't show it to anybody else. Let me have it when it's ready. And so, you know, it's just kind of funny how things like that fall in your lap when you're just interested and lots of other little deals have come our way and you know things we've said no to, but we definitely interested, looked into. So it's funny. You don't have to be like, I think you should be intentional 
with your actions and your day-to-day decisions, especially when you have a goal in mind, what are you doing every day to help bring you closer to that goal? But there is a way to do it with also being, like you said, opportunistic and patient. Yeah, that's it's such a fine balance there. Like you want to grow, you want to scale, you want to build a real estate empire, right? But at the same time, you've got to do things how you're able to do them on the timeline that, you know, life kind of comes at you, right? So yeah, such a fine balance there. And I don't know about you, Christian, but I look at social media, right? And I follow a lot of real estate people. And sometimes you see these really cool stories, 22-year-old with $10,000 a month in passive income and 100 doors in his first year. You're like, wow, that's really cool. And I know it's totally doable. But then you look at yourself, you're like, well, you get discouraged maybe, or you think, oh, but you know, that's not what I'm doing. You kind of maybe get down on yourself. And I think you just have to remember like, everybody's, you know, starting from a different point and everybody's got their own, you know, goals and agenda and, you know, their own hand of cards, if you will. Right. Yes, definitely. Everybody's different. You know, my husband and I are in a position right now where we love our W2 jobs. We love who we work with, what we do for a living. So, you know, we aren't necessarily looking for that. Oh my gosh, got to get out of the rat race right now. Hate our lives. You know, more we go to it with an approach of, we want to build a system that can always be there for us if needed if something were to happen or, hey, if it can just be a really great early retirement opportunity later down the line. So it's everybody's journey is different. But I think at the end of the day, most important thing is just realizing, you know, what your goals are, what your why is, and then how you're going to get to it. There can be other people that love their W-2s and want to invest in real estate, but they just aren't doing anything towards it. So, you know, that's when we take a really big step back and we're just looking day to day. Okay. Yes. These things are what's important to me, family, you know, my faith, you know, my job, but this is a very important goal to me too. And so how, what am I doing a little bit every day to make sure I keep that goal in mind? I keep building the stream and the system that we're working on. Yeah, for sure. Now you mentioned something you've been investing for five years now, and you've obviously learned a lot over your course of investing and, you know, have some lessons, you know, looking back things you probably should have done differently, but maybe you didn't know at the time, right? And it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know until you get into taking action, right? So you know, there's people listening who are maybe in a position, maybe a few steps behind where you're at and are looking to buy their first deal or, you know, do their next house hack or refinance the deal they are just in. Any kind of lessons learned looking back at your journey up to this point that you could share with the audience members or maybe something that stands out in your mind? Yeah, funny you should ask. So this sale of this last duplex, big, nice check, $145,000 Heck yeah. We learned that we lived in it for a good amount of time. And we learned, even though cap gains, paying capital gains was always in our mind, always something that we knew of, I'd heard in time and time again in podcasts, I just didn't really pay attention to it. And so we were like, okay, we're going to have to pay cap gains on this property. But the kicker was we were like less than three months shy of living in that property and not having to pay capital gains. And so going back, I don't know if I would have done things differently because we did get in, we moved because we got into our fourplex, which then helped us get into these other properties, even though the right. getting rid of it, you know, we still, it all was this journey, right? And got us to where we are today. But just something to keep in mind, if you feel like you're going to stay in a property, you know, for more than maybe 18 months, you know, maybe look into like what it's worth to you just staying there the full two years so you can avoid that cap gains because yeah, we'll be looking at having to pay that here soon. So that was just kind of a funny, we were like, wait, we were how close? Like we could have just stayed in it like two more months. Like that would have been nothing, you know? And it's just kind of funny. But yeah, that was like a kicker. We were like, what? 
Especially <laughs> so, my husband, he really didn't like our fourplex. He's like, you mean we are having kids? It all works out. It's all fine. But definitely, you know, the pros of just everything that has happened in this journey outweigh like the cap gains that we're going to have to pay on that property. But, so explain that a little bit. Cap gains, meaning capital gains. Sure. What, what was the metric you had to hit? And what's that mean for your tax liability? Yeah. So basically, because it sold for more money than what we bought it for, we have to pay capital gains taxes on the difference from the sale price to our purchase price. Mm-hmm. Even though we refinanced it at 245000 it still actually has to, from everything I've been told, it still has to be calculated at that original $200,000 price point. It's 15% of basically the sale price, that the difference that we are going right, to Right, right. So yeah. uh, it's coming to about $22,000. So, you know, when I think of that, I'm like, man, that could get us into another duplex, you know, another <laughs> family home with the mother-in-law suite. But it's, you know, again, it was just good. We would have not had had it any other way if, you know, it didn't hold me back from selling the property or anything like that. But it's just a good little lesson, something to think about. I do know people who do like live-in flips. And if they're going to live in it for longer than six months, you know, a year, they just stay the whole two years so they can avoid that. So... That was just something that was a really good little lesson. We're like, hmm. So it's funny because we think about like the house we're in now. We think it's going to go up in value. And so we're like, yeah, we're going to stay here for at least two years. (laughs) At Uh, least two. Yeah, we're not looking into jumping into anything yet. But yeah, that's just a funny little thing to remember. So Maybe talk about some of the lessons you've taken away from doing your live-in flips from the duplex, from the fourplex, and I guess even your uh, current house. I know you guys haven't done a ton of work to that one, I don't think, but you know, you guys have put in a ton of sweat equity over the years. Any kind of takeaways or lessons learned there from somebody who's maybe thinking about making that sacrifice and doing that kind of live in flip, if you will? For sure. I think one of the first things is nothing is wrong with contracting things out. So it's funny, uh, Brandon Turner on Bigger Pockets has like this toilet flu story that's really horrifying and disgusting. I'm sure anybody could just like Google Brandon Turner flu toilet story. And it was like, he tells it that it's the last time he decided like he was done doing, he was going to start like letting someone else manage the properties or letting someone else start doing like the plumbing of them at least. And so I had a couple of those situations. Like it did not take me one really bad toilet incident. It took me a couple to finally, there was like one where I thought my husband and I were going to get a divorce. And so that's when I was like, (laughs) if it involves a toilet, I'm going to call someone. And so nothing's wrong with, calling someone if you don't know how to do something, not knowing how to fix things or repair things should not hold anyone back from investing. It can help you save dollars. YouTube University is a real thing. I've learned so much from it. A lot of these fixes and repairs, you realize, wow, this is way easier than I thought. But there definitely are some out there where you're like, oh no, this is not easier than I thought. So I will say snaking a toilet is something that's very easy and inexpensive. As far as how the black and white system of it goes, like you go rent the machine for like 60 bucks, you put it down the toilet and you go. But the emotional pain that that can cause you (laughs) is a lot. And, you know, the first time you do it, you feel great, especially when you cleared whatever the clog is. And you're like, I just saved myself like 350 bucks by not calling Roto-Rooter. Yay. But then when you're doing it again and again, Especially if you're, you know, some couples, man, it's not everyone. Like some people, they can handle it. They find joy in that. We finally got to the point where we did not find joy in snaking our own toilets. 
So I call that out now, but it was a really great lesson. I know like sometimes when a plumber, like if a tenant says, Hey, my toilet's leaking from the bottom, what the heck is happening? I'm like, Oh, you probably just wax room here. That's like six bucks. You know, I know that if a tenant says, you know, Hey, this isn't working, you know, I don't know why this is working. Try and hit the breaker box and then try and see if you can relate, replace the light kit before you call a electrician who's going to charge you 200 bucks for a $10 light from Home Depot. So there are definitely lots of little things like that. Uh, flooring is another one. Flooring is like a super easy DIY project that you can do. But when you're running around trying to juggle a bunch of different things and if you can't get flooring for like really rock bottom, good deal. Man, there are people who can knock out flooring in like three hours, cost you a couple hundred bucks. That's one that we totally outsource now. It was one we used to always do ourselves and it would take us like forever to put flooring down in a unit. And then one day I was like, oh, we don't, I was super pregnant. We didn't have time to do it ourselves in awe. I was like, they did this in like three hours and it cost me maybe like a couple hundred dollars more than what I would if we had just done it ourselves and yelled and screamed at each other and fought. You know, <laughs> so, you know, again, it's that time for dollars, all that type of stuff. Sweat equity is great. Definitely, you know, try and learn things about your property. But you can watch a YouTube video on something that might be broken just so you can better understand what's going on so you don't have the freak out factor. But it doesn't mean you have to go and fix it yourself. You can then still call someone to come and fix it for you. Such great lessons there and uh, some <laughs> I need to implement in my own life. You've just kind of sold me on doing flooring. So I'm, I'm currently dealing with a unit that I've got to replace some flooring in. I'm like, yep, that sells it. Yeah, so. I'm telling you, just call somebody, call around, get a few quotes, see how much it'll charge them. Because I mean, it's just amazing to watch them knock it out and just like nothing. And you're like, this would have taken me like all weekend and then some to get this done. So sure, sure. Well, you and I are both fans of this book written by Matt Monero called You Need More Money. He's been on the podcast. And he's a super cool guy, but there's this term he uses called rack and stack mode. And that's what I like to kind of contemplate myself when I'm like maybe not actively buying a property. I'm waiting for the next property. I mentally tell myself I'm in rack and stack mode, right? Like I'm yeah. saving up more money or I'm, you know, raising more money to invest in the next deal. So you've kind of been in that phase for a little while. Tell us about kind of what you're doing right now and what the outlook looks like. Yeah, for sure. Rack and stack mode. It really, after that book, I was like, oh, I don't feel as guilty about like sitting, saving money. You know, it's a good time to educate yourself. Again, yeah. money, budget, network, you know, buy, do more research on deals. But yeah, my husband and I were kind of in, rack and stack slash even a little bit of debt payoff mode. We have some student loans that we're just kind of knocking out, almost done with those. And so I like the idea of being free of like some of that excess annoying debt and just yeah. focus our dollars, you know, where they will make more dollars for us. So I know that sometimes not the real estate thing, you know, some people are like, oh, just buy another property to pay your student loans. We've done that. But not having anything to worry about in the background as we chip off these student loans has been really nice. So we're going to continue to do that. But yes, we are in rack and stack mode, just sitting there. And I mean, it's nice when, you know, just in the past, I think three weeks, we've had two potential deals fall into our lap. And it's nice being like, oh, we have the cash to do this like right now. You know, it's pretty fun instead of in the past where it's been like, oh man, there's this deal and I'm short. And let me go see if I can do creative financing. Let me go hit up somebody. Let me see what I can do here. Yeah, and yeah. Too, definitely, it's great to look at all those different options. 
you know, try and look at seller's financing, Jacob. I know you're, you know, you have experience with that and stuff, but it is nice sitting there with like money and being like, oh yeah, we can do this. Or, you know, if there's a chance that, you know, we just had a big pipe burst with the big snowstorm in Texas, it was great. Not really looking at getting new flooring. And yeah, we got the rack and stack sitting there. You know, we always have like a little emergency fund for our properties, but it's like, okay, we can handle this. Let's get this done with and move on, you know, no sweat. So rack and stack mode is a real thing. Do not be scared of it. If you are in rack and stack mode, if if your market is really hot right now, you maybe want to learn about long distance investing, things like that. I mean, there's no shame in sitting for a little bit, saving money, educating yourself, you know, seeing what's out there. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know you're obviously looking at future deals. You know, this isn't the end of your road by any stretch. So, you know, looking forward, do you foresee yourself doing more burrs, maybe more bigger bigger deal investing? What's kind of like the next stepping stone look like for you? Yeah, I'm definitely always looking for burrs. I think they're fun. I'm not grown out of the small multifamily. Even now looking at some single family home type burrs, um, not opposed to that kind of stuff. But my big dreams is definitely one day get into some of these big apartment deals where you're pairing up with people, you are working together to raise money. I don't know exactly what side of that journey I want to be on in the future if it's a more active role or more passive, but that is, I'm always trying to educate myself in that aspect and be ready for, you know, any kind of opportunity that comes my way. Cause in the future, that is kind of where I would like to see us going. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Now you mentioned kind of in like when you're in this rack and stack mode, it, it's also important to note that it's not like you're doing nothing, right? You're continuing to educate yourself. You mentioned networking, which is something you and I have been making a pretty big point to do. Although in 2020, that in-person networking was pretty much kiboshed, right? But you and I are actually part of an accountability call. So kind of talk about that piece of kind of accountability and networking and the importance it's brought to your investing journey. Yes. Accountability calls are the best. I think everybody should do one. It's so funny because you know you think about doing it and you're like, oh, I should really do that. It sounds like a good idea. And then you get in it. And if you really are on fire and passionate about whatever it is you're working towards, when you get into that accountability call and you're talking to other people that are the same way in a small group like that, it's just, you know, it's awesome. It definitely helps push you, motivate you, brings you good ideas. It's great to bounce ideas off of others. So I highly recommend that. Again, like always in the past, I've, you know, I've gone through little spots in the past where I'm like, ah, I'm just in rack and stack. I'm just going to study. I'm going to listen to my podcast and read my book. There have even been times where I've like turned off like Trulia and like told my realtor like, Hey, I need like a couple months of a mental break because I'm going crazy and I have like a three month old and I'm just trying to keep my baby alive. And I'm like, I can't stop <laughs> and fourplexes. And, you know, I would tell my husband, he'd come home from work and I'd be like, I made an offer on a house today. And he's like, you've been home all day nursing a baby. Like, when did you go? And make? I'm like, we just went for a drive. It was fine. You know, and, you know, and so it's just kind of funny. So nothing's wrong with that time and take that mental break to really just learn and educate. But um, definitely being a part of accountability call really helps take it to the next level. It really changes from educating to, I don't really know how to say it's like, you know, when you go and you sit in the class and you're learning about the topic from the professor, and then you go into a study group to further your knowledge and everybody's just expanding and you're understanding things more and how other people think. And it's just really great. Yeah. And it kind of all goes back to that quote by Jim Rohn. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? So, you know, 
maybe in your network or in your personal life, maybe nobody in your friend group or your family is doing what it is you're interested in, right? So in today's day and age, it's so easy to link into an online group, go to bigger pockets or reach out to someone you know who's doing it, what it is you're interested in and just create a small group of people. Jump on Zoom every week, right? That's what we do. So uh, yeah, it's so easy in today's day and age and so powerful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's one thing that I could speak to really in my life. I have two little kids. A lot of my friends, they're, you know, our families are very similar. We're all dealing with the same mommy, you know, issues and things. And so when it comes to my real estate and wanting to network, I have to be intentional. I have to seek it out. And that stuff doesn't always fall into my laps. And so, you know, when I get an invitation of, do you want to join this group? Okay, well, it's Saturday morning at 730 in the morning, you know, I could be sleeping in, maybe or you know, I could get up and really use that time. And I mean, it's a good decision always. For sure. Christian, one last thing I want to touch on is the idea of being uncomfortable. So say like being comfortable is the most dangerous position to be in, right? Because you're not really like forced to grow. You're not incentivized to, you know, go outside of your comfort zone, right? And you live a pretty comfortable life. I mean, I'm sure it's semi-hectic raising two boys and having a husband and being the only woman in the house, you know, juggling all those things. But, you know, nonetheless, you're fairly comfortable as am I. And it's, I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, people in those situations, what do they do to keep themselves uncomfortable and motivated to continue to push? Because you could just kick back and coast right now, you and your husband make good incomes, you've got some rental properties, life is good, like, you don't really need to push any harder, right? But you find yourself doing that. So why? You know, I think it's just about with you know, when someone becomes comfortable, sometimes you become complacent and things tend to slip up. And I think that's my big motivation is that I feel like I kind of my personal fear is that I'll become comfortable and then things will kind of start to slide off and I won't notice because I'll still be comfortable and it'll still all be fine. And so when I just love to always have, you know, some sort of goal, even if it's a little goal in all the areas of my life, you know, I, I am a big believer of things like Miracle Morning. Oh, yes. Yeah. The Miracle Miracle Morning. morning. And I love sitting down, reviewing my goals, affirmations, things like that, reminding myself what my goals are, you know, as far as my family, personal, fitness, even things like that. And so I think it's important to just, you know, continue to push yourself. I am in a stage in my life where, you know, I have two little boys. They're my number one priority. My family is my number one priority. So I'm not out just like, crazy chasing real estate going nuts. But because I do want to continue to grow and create something for them and for our family in the future, I do need to keep pushing and keep looking and keeping my eyes open and looking at deals and educating myself so that I can have more for them. Awesome. Well, Kristen, hey, it's been a lot of fun having you on the podcast as always. We'll have to get you back on in the near future because I know you'll have something different by the time next time we talk. But we usually wrap up with the lightning round. You've already been through it. So let's go ahead and just kind of fire some random questions at you. First thing I've got that comes to mind is what's got you excited these days? What's motivating you? What's got you kind of pumped up? I mean, the sale of that property, we actually just closed on it. To It's not even a month ago we closed on it. So that, you know, not that I needed my fan, my flame to be fanned, you know, mm-hmm. is, it, but it did really just continue knock it out of the park for us, you know, really just keep us motivated. We're like, let's do this again. Let's keep our eyes open for the next deal. And then again, I'm just starting up in that new accountability group, listening to what everyone else is doing. That just really has me fired up and pumped to keep looking at more real estate deals. Awesome. 
what are you kind of studying, learning, educating yourself these days? Any cool topics or podcasts or books or anything that you're, you're liking? Yeah, I'm looking at potentially getting into like a burr, but with a really big R, first R about it. <laughs> I was calling it flips forever, but it's not going to be a flip because I'm not going to turn around and flip it right away. I'd like to get it and do a little buy and hold. I'm looking at a couple different deals. Don't know if they're going to work out. They're very slow and steady talking to the seller on those. But yeah, so in the meantime, I'm spending a lot of time researching books on rehab and listening to books on negotiations. Mm. And you know, one of my favorites is that Never Split the Difference. That book is I the guy at the author by Chris Boss. Yes. He, yeah. That book is awesome. It's really great. If you're negotiating anything, a promotion, you know, real estate deal, going to go buy a car. I mean, that book is awesome. So I'm spending some time uh, here recently listening to that on repeat, you know, working on my negotiation skills. So, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Kristen, hey, it's been a lot of fun as we're wrapping up here. Where can people reach out, learn more about you, connect with you if they're interested or hit you up if they're in the DFW area by chance? Sure. I am on Instagram. My Instagram is millennial re investor. I have not been super active on there in the last few months. Usually I do whenever we do like a DIY or something I post up there, but I just was revamped by actually listening to, I think it was one of your last podcasts, Jacob, on getting back up there, getting my content back out there. So I'm planning on being more active on there. Anybody can message me on that. And also my email is cctrentals, R-E-N-T-A-L-S-T-X at gmail.com, cctrentalstexas. Anybody could reach out at Anytime you got any deals, have any questions, anything like that. I love to talk real estate with anybody who will listen. <laughs> awesome. We'll link all your social media profiles, your bigger pockets profile, all that content yes. in the show notes. Christian, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. Let's get you back on in the future. Until next time. Thanks, Jacob. That wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Christian Montalvo. Hey, what a great and fun conversation. As you can tell, Christian's super inspiring. She's out there hustling, making it happen, and taking action. She embodies somebody probably just like yourself who has things going on in their own life. They're juggling family, friends, personal lives, careers, and all that we all do, right? But she's still actually taking action buying real estate, and building a life for herself and her family that she one day wants. So I hope you find her story inspiring. If you want to learn more about what she's doing, you can find all of the links to her social media, which I highly recommend you follow her and her real estate page, Millennial Real Estate Investor, for some great real estate tips. You can find all of those in the show notes. Hey, if you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet, please go over and leave a rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. As always, for more information, resources, and to connect with me, you can do so at www.jacobayers.com. Until next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. 
all investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.